This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So this week's parish is passed by Yishlach. Yishlach Yaakov Malachim. He sent Malachim, angels or actual Malachim, but that is not the part of, that we are going to discuss tonight. We are not even going to discuss the fight between, well, a little bit maybe, between the, between Yaakov and the, um, and the uh, Malach. I mean, there's a very famous word that I say every year where the Malach, where he says, um, Mashmecha, he says Yaakov, he says it shouldn't be Yaakov anymore, keep Israel, but Yishal Yaakov. Yaakov said, okay, you changed my name, Satan Esav, you changed my name, how about, what's your name? So Yaakov asked him, Yishal Yaakov, you see how Yaakov spoke? Even to a Malach of Esau, the worst Malach in the world, the Satan, right? How do you speak to him? And that's how we have to learn how to talk. Please tell me your name. The guy just, he just fought with him all night, right? They're fighting all night. At the end, the Malach of Esau lost. Because what do you do when you're having a verbal argument with someone and finally you just can't win? So you just punch him one. You're just like, <laughs> if I can't beat you this way, right? I'm just going to give you a whack, right? That's what he did. He, he was fighting a whole match. They were going back and forth. And finally, the mom said, you know what? I'm just, I'm just not winning this fight. So I'm just going to hurt you, right? Um, so it's pretty much with Yaakov against the Malach of Esau. Which oh, what were they fighting about? Um, he was trying to get Yaakov to go to his side, to to do a virus and to give up on... Because he knew that Yaakov, from him, was coming all the Shvatim and all the children and the... Israel, if you can take Yaakov down, then we're all going to go down. So, um, they ask an unbelievable question. Listen to this question. Why did the Malach, the Malach was a Satan, right? Why did he fight with Avram? Why did he wait till Yaakov? Good question. Yeah? To get Esau as well as Ishmael as well. But he, but he, if he would have fought Avram, why wouldn't he have gotten Esau and Yishmael into the world? Why would, why would his children and grandchildren have still been brought? He wasn't here to kill him. He didn't try to kill him. No. He tried to, to get him to go to the other side, to the dark side. So why did he start with Avram? Why did he, why, why he start with Yaakov? And the answer I heard, the answer is a very beautiful answer. And it's so true. The Satan said, I don't have any problem with Chesed. Why do Chesed? Romavinu, Chesed, I'm fine with Chesed. Chesed is not going to take the Jews to Mashiach. I have no problem with Chesed. Yitzchak, Vura, strength, I don't got no problem with Vura. You have got a problem with Yaakov, because Yaakov <coughs> was MS. MS and Torah, both. He was Torah, he sat for 14 years, he was Yeshiva Halin, plus his leader was MS. Those are the two things that Satan has a problem with. He said, Avraham Avinu, you could, you could be bad, you could be a drug dealer, and do chesed. Take your money and use it to, to do chesed, right? You could have gevura, you could, you could be strong, you could have gevura, and, uh, and do bad things with your gevura. I'm not worried about you two. But MS? That, that's, MS doesn't do bad things. And Torah doesn't do bad things. So Abraham he said he had no problem with Yaakov. He had a big problem with. That's why he fought with him all night. So Yaakov said 
for this guy, this angel, who he's fighting a whole night, and the angel is a sore loser, right? He punches Yaakov, or he hits Yaakov in his, his thigh, and dislocates his thigh, and now Yaakov says, okay, um, please tell me your name. Not like, tell me your name, but he uses the word please, like, please tell me your name. But Yaimar, so the Malach says, Lamazetishalishmi. So first of all, he was a non-Jewish Malach, right? He was Asa's Malach. So why is he answering a question with a question? That's only something Jews do, right? <laughs> we asked him a question, what's your name? He said, why do you need to know my name? Yeah. That's like a Jewish thing. That's like a Jewish thing to do. That's not a, that's not a non-Jewish thing to do. He's an Asa. Why is he answering like that, right? And what kind of answer is that? I'm asking you a question. What's your name? Tell me your name, right? And he doesn't tell him his name. And he blessed him there. Why didn't Yaakov push for the name? He didn't answer the question. Why didn't Yaakov say, excuse me, I'm not letting you go until you tell me your name. And didn't Yaakov know his name? Didn't he know who he was fighting with all night? He knew it was the Satan, so what was his question? So his question really was to the Satan, what is your source? Who are you? Because in order for a Jew, for us to fight the Satan, we need to know who we're fighting. So, so who are you? So that was his, that was his question. He asked the Satan, who are you? I need to know what you're all about. Because if you don't know your enemy, right? We happen to have a military man here tonight, Chaim Cohen. He's very, right here sitting in front of me who started, um, when I started my Shir Tuesday nights 15 years ago. He was, 14 years ago. He was in the beginning in this room. It didn't look this nice, but, um, he's a United States major in the Air Force. We have a whole story, but I don't know if we're going to get to that tonight. But he came in from Lakewood for tonight's year. So, um, so what? Oh, Veterans Day, right? Okay. Honor Veterans Day yesterday. <laughs> so, so, um, so the Misa that they're having this fight, and he, 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 to know your enemy, the most important thing for the army to win is to know your enemy. You don't know your enemy, you're done. So that's why we send spies and we go, we go and we try to figure out what they, what they're all about. You need to know your enemy. So Yakovina said, "Listen, I held them down a whole night, but." I, I have to hold him down a whole gullus, and I have to hold him until Mashiach comes. So what's your source? And the moth didn't answer him. So why didn't Yaakov push and say, I'm not letting you go until I know what your source is? And the answer is that really the Malach answered him. And he answered him what his source was. And there's two answers. One, he said, Listen to me. I'm the Satan. If I'm going to tell you what I am today, it's not going to help you because next generation... It's going to be something else. Believe me, growing up in my generation, we never heard of a Satan called the Internet or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever they have, all these crazy things that they have, right? Or blogging and all this garbage, right, where you can do lush and horror and hurt people without anyone seeing you. So so my generation didn't have that Yetzirah. My generation had a different Yetzirah. So the, so the, the, the Satan was telling Yaakov, Telling you now what I am in this generation, what my source is, not going to help you because next generation is going to be something else. And next generation is going to be reformed Judaism and it's going to be this and that and, and idol worship. And, and I keep changing. I'm a changeling. I, I change very, and, and we see how fast he's changing. We went from cell phone problems to internet problems to Facebook problems to Instagram problems and he doesn't stop. And we just come up with something new every single day. So he's like, what are you asking on my name? My name is always changing. But there's, a, there's another terrace, which is a huge terrace. And Yaakov, you know, asked him, what's your source? What are you all about? And he answered the question. He said, My name is, why ask questions? Party, 
You know what does Nike say? Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Don't ask any question. Just do it, right? So he said, "You want to know my source? I'll tell you my source." Lama Zetishal, Lishmi. My name is Lama Zetishal. Don't ask any questions. Reactions, this and that. Don't ask any questions. You can have a good time. Just have a good time. Don't worry about it. A little friend, Fishy here, Chaim, tonight is going to help us with this little problem. And I have to tell you before I, before I do what I'm about to do, I mean, what, what we're going to do with Chaim over here, that there's no Tzabal Chaim with a fish. A fish has no din of Tzabal Chaim. That's why you don't shech the fish and um, you have to shech an animal because a fish has no nerves. There's no nerves in a fish's body. So halakhically, if you take a fish out of the water, like when they catch tuna, they don't take every tuna, and I don't know if you ever saw the size of a tuna, right? They don't take every tuna and bang them on the head, right? They put them in the net, they drop them on the top of the water, and they, and they, they flop around, they die. And you eat and you eat it. You don't have to shecht it, you don't have to bang it on the head. If you, bought, if you caught one fish and he's at the bottom of your boat, it would be nice to bang him on the head that he doesn't have to hop up and down for so much. But if he does, right, and he, he jumps out of your pail and he dies on the floor, there's no problem eating them. Why? Why? Because they don't have nerves. So there's no din by a fish at Tzabal Chaim. So no matter what I do to this fish tonight... You can't just catch fish for fun and then throw it back in. You could, but you shouldn't. Halakhtu, you could, but you shouldn't. We don't do that. <laughs> 100%. You can catch fish. I can catch fish. You can catch and, and, You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to do that to an ant. Because it makes you into a, to a vicious person. But an ant doesn't have vertebrae, right? You're not supposed to take a, uh, which I'm still doing chew before. You're not supposed to take a magnifying glass and burn them. <laughs> <laughs> Until they pop. Remember that when you were kids, right? <laughs> I've had, I've had ants in my house and I'm like, I know you guys are taking revenge. When I was seven years old, what I used to do to you guys. You know, and I cop it, whatever it is. You're not, you're not supposed to kill because it, because it, it, it's not good for you. So a cockroach, if it, it bothers you and makes you very mean, or, or, or mosquito, you know, because it, it sucks your blood and, and has diseases, it's one thing, but to go around killing spiders and flies and all that, unless it's really bothering you, it, it, it has an effect on you. You shouldn't be a killer. You shouldn't take life when you shouldn't take life. So to go fishing just, and, but many times you go fishing, you catch catfish and you can't eat them, you have to throw them back. You, have to right. you shouldn't. It's not, you're not even Avera. You know what Avera the Torah says, you can't stuff a fish and hang them on the wall. Right? What? But there's Tal Balachayim, so you shouldn't, you shouldn't make it suffer. If you can, you shouldn't make it suffer. But there's no din, they say, by fish, there's no din of Tal Balachayim, because it doesn't have vertebrae. So if I take this fish and I bite off its head or whatever I'm going to do, you shouldn't get nervous and say, oh, Rabbi Walker, I'm not going to, I'm not coming to your share anymore, right? That's not, you know, I'm not going to do that, so don't worry. Everyone ready? Everyone who's watching Torah anytime turned off their videos right now. And they're like, I'm not watching him do that. Anyway, his name is Chaim, and we hope it stays that way. We'll see how long he makes it, but he's amazing. I gave a class with him um, yesterday um, in my seminary. Pretty much all the girls ran out of the room. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens here. So, you're all trying to figure out, what is he going to do with that fish? <laughs> I'm just going to feed it. I'm just going to feed it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to feed it. I'm going to feed it over there. I'm going to show you how we feed a fish. Anyway, so getting back to the parsha. So, his, he, he was saying, love the fish out, party, have a good time. You have nothing to worry about. Which leads, which leads me to an unbelievable chidah. I'm very into the chidah, as you know. An unbelievable chidah on this week's parsha, And also a very big proof to Rabbi Wallstein's, um, it's going to be a mission, I hope my second book, of spiritual DNA. You see in this week's parsha 
unbelievable story of, of, of spiritual DNA. So let's skip down to Vatetse Dina. Okay, now Vatetse Dina is a is a not a good story, not a happy story, where um, Dina goes out and is physically attacked by, and I'm not going to use the word because um, some young kids watch Torah anytime, but everyone here knows what Shechem did to Dina, right? Vatetse Dina Vasleya. And Dina went out, the daughter of Leah. Why does it say the daughter of Leah, not the daughter of Yaakov? Vatetse Dina Bas Yaakov. It's a specifically Bas Leah. Vatetse Dina Bas Leah. Ashe Yolda Yaakov. It doesn't talk like that. Leah gave birth to Dina from Yaakov. She went out to see the fashions, to see what was going on in the land. Look, Rashi, Posagalev. This is the whole shit tonight, just on this subject. Basleya, says Rashi. Basleya, Voloi Bas Yaakov. Wasn't she also the daughter of Yaakov? Ella, Itziasa, Nikras Basleya. When she went out, to see the fashions of the world of the Goyim, she was called Bathleya. Sha'af he Yatsa'anas, because she also um, went out. Now listen to this. Where did Leah go out? Last week's parsha. It says, Batate Leah Likrosai. What happened? Rachel had no children. Reuben came with the Daduim. And Leah said, Daduim. Well, I'm only going to give them to you if you switch. Tonight, Yaakov was supposed to be in Rachel's tent. And if you switch to my tent, to Leah's, to my tent, I'll give you the Daduims. In those days, it wasn't you had four wives and they all lived in one house. Each wife had her own house. So there was Rachel's house and Leah's house and Bill's house and Zilpah's house. And every single one of them had their own house. And Yaakov would go the night that he's supposed to be with that wife. That's when he would go to her tent. So he was supposed to go to, he was supposed to go to Rachel's tent. But now that Ruffel, that Leah gave Ruffel to Daduim, he was going to go to Leah's tent, but he didn't know about this whole thing. So Leah was so excited that that night she was going to be with Yaakov, so instead of waiting for him to be at Snua and waiting for him to come into the camp, and she'll say, by the way, I made a switch, you're going to my house, she ran out to Yaakov in the field when he was coming in. She said, Yaakov, Yaakov, I made a switch, you're coming to my tent. Terry says, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's not Sneas. That's not, she shouldn't have done that. So Rashi says... Rashi says, like mother, like daughter. Since Leah wasn't a tznua for that moment, and she ran out to Yaakov to tell him, hey, it's my night, you have to come to my tent. So who gave birth to, do you know, Leah did? So her spiritual DNA, here's one of the biggest proofs. Her spiritual DNA was that she's a person who runs out, and she's right? So automatically Dina, who should have been a tznua and not gone out to Shem, by the guy, and that's not what Jewish girls do, right? But since her mother went out, she went out. And of course, when she went out, Vayar Oisa Shem, Shem saw her, Ben Chamor, Achibi Nesia Oret, Vayikach Oisa, he took her, Vayishkav Oisa Vayaneha. And he, Vayaneha means that he forcibly was with her. In other words, it was against her will. Vayaneha means he forcibly did it. Okay. And then he fell in love with him. And they decided that uh, now he wants to marry her after he did the act that he did. All right, now, let us go to the Chidot. The Chidot says the following. Hang on with me here. 
He says, I'm going to give you a different reason outside of the reason that Batetse Leo, Batetse Dina. I'm going to give you a totally different reason. Okay. So he says the following. Efsha, I'll tell you why she went out. He says, because we know that Leah was pregnant with Yosef. And Rachel was pregnant with Dina. Okay? So, what happened was, Leah saw in Ruch HaKodesh that she's carrying a boy. At that point, she had six sons. So she knew that if she's going to have... She had Yosef. She was supposed to give birth to Yosef. So, she was supposed to have both Bukharim. Yosef and, and Reuben were both Bukharim. And no, but he he had that kayak of destroying Esau. He had different kayaks that Reuben had. She knew that she was supposed to have this boy, and she said, "If I have a boy, then I have seven boys, and the maidservants each have two. It's eleven, and I know we're only going to have twelve shvatim, which means that Rachel only has one left. If Rachel's only giving birth to one, that means that the shvachos, the maidservants, have more. The maidservants have more than Rachel Imenu. She said, I can't do that to my sister." Which, by the way, is fascinating. Why is that fascinating? I don't know if I told you this last week, but I told it to the girls this week. It's fascinating. Why is it fascinating? Because what goes around comes around. Because Dina, last week, she, so it says that Leah, when Dina came to her and said, could you give me the daduim, Leah's reaction was, you stole my husband once, and now you're going to steal my husband again? Excuse me? Excuse me, what are you talking about? You stole my husband. I didn't steal your husband. I gave you the, the, the secret, right, so that you could steal my husband. He worked the first seven years for me. How could Leah have the chutzpah to say to Rachel after everything Rachel did for her, when Rachel said, could you give it back to him? She's like, you? You stole my husband once? Now you want to steal him again? What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Leah? You know what she did for you. How could you say that to her? And Rachel doesn't answer. Rachel says, you're right. So I owe you one. So I'll give it back to you tonight. You can be with Yaakov tonight. What did Rachel say to her? Excuse me? Um, I gave you the secret code and you, he worked for me. He didn't even want to marry you. What are you talking about? So the terrace that's given of Shemesh and Pinkus says, it's an amazing terrace. Shemesh and Pinkus says, Leah did not know about the whole switch. Rachel may know didn't want Leah to know that she's doing her a favor because of course when you do someone a favor it's very different than when you do something when you do chesed the person that you did chesed for should never know that you did the chesed right? we know that when you do chesed it should be secretly otherwise the person feels like they owe you something so what happened? so Rav Shem says the Medrash brings down that what was the code? the code that that Rachel gave Yaakov was the Mishnah and Shabbos Erev Shabbos the husband comes home he's supposed to ask three things Right? Asartem, Araftem, and Hedliko Heneros. Did you, did you make the Erev? Did you, did you give, uh, a challah from the challah? And did you light the candles? So, so they made up that Yaakov, right, when he's in the room, he's gonna ask Rachel, what are the three things that I'm supposed to ask you on Shabbat? And she was gonna answer, Araftem, Asartem, Hedliko Heneros, and then he would know it's Rachel. What did Rachel do? She went the day of the wedding, and she said to Leah, Listen, you're getting married, the first Shabbos, you need to know this Mishnah. So she didn't tell her there was any code, she didn't tell her anything. She said, you have to learn this Mishnah. So she taught her the Mishnah. So Leah learned the Mishnah, and she learned it over and over with her. So at night, Yaakov Avinu asked the question, what is, what is the 
what is the husband supposed to ask Erev Shabbos? Lay into the Mishnah. This is great. I wrapped him a sartem. Did you hit me? He goes, an Eros. Mazel Tov. Rochel never said that's a secret code. Rochel taught it to her as a Mishnah. So Leah never knew that Rochel did this for her. So Leah did not understand if I married Yaakov, what kind of chutzpah are you seven days later to marry my husband? Go marry someone else. I was married to him already. What are you doing? So she, she felt very bad. What? It's what down, it's what, no, it says in the Medrash that that was the code. And that she taught it to her. So she never knew. So now Rachel's saying, could you give me the daduim? She's saying, I should give you the daduim? Who told you to marry him? I was married already to him. What kind of chutzpah is that you married him? So Rachel didn't answer. And Rachel said, you're right. Look at Sadeqa said this is, you're right. I stole, I, 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 you're right. Okay, but I married him already. I did it. So you know what? Tonight you could have him. So Leah never knew that she did that chesed for her. What was the thing with the smile? The daduim? The have a power, have a power to help a woman become pregnant. So, so, listen to what happened. So Rachel, this, this is the, the best story of two sisters. So Rachel did that for Leah. Right? So Rachel's a big tzadikist. Leah knew that she had the seventh shavit in her womb. Rachel didn't know that. So Leah went ahead and davened something impossible. The Mishnah says that a person who davens after 40 days to have a girl or a boy is a tefillah shav. You're wasting your time. At 40 days, the baby is either a girl or a boy. It doesn't change. So you're wasting your time. So this was way after the 40th day. Leah davened to Hashem. He said, I need a, I need a nace here. I need you to take this. It's not. I need you to take Yosef out of my womb. And put it in Rachel's womb, and he you to take that girl and put her in my womb. Wow. They, were both pregnant. they were both pregnant at the same time. So wait, it's not it's not even close to amazing yet. So it's nothing. We're we're on the bottom floor right now. We are on the bottom floor. Okay? Listen to what happens. So so she paid her back. She made a miracle for Rachel that Rachel never knew. She didn't know. Rachel didn't know she was having a girl, they have sonograms, right? So Leah Damantashem made a nace. For Rachel, she should have been. So what happened here? The Rachel made a, did a thing for her sister. That what? What you do for a sister? That her sister shouldn't be embarrassed. So what did Leah do here? She did something for her sister. She's only going to have one child. Everybody has two. She's going to be embarrassed because she did back the favor without Rachel knowing. So Rachel did it for her sister without her sister knowing. And in the end, Leah did it for her. What, 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 what? Those are Imahis. Those are Imahis. So they each did for each other exactly for the same reason without anybody knowing it. What? No, Leah didn't know. Leah did have Sitkis. Leah didn't know what Rachel did for her. No, of course not. Of course not. Now, listen to what this caused. Listen to what this caused. Says the There's two parts. Says the This flipped me out. What did this cause? The Chidah says by Tete Dina. Why did Dina go out? Because Dina went into a womb that there was a boy in that womb. Yosef was in the womb. They took him out. They put Dina in that womb. So there was a lot of DNA, male DNA in that womb. The male DNA is to go out, to hunt, to work. Our DNA is to go out. A woman's DNA is to stay home. Listen to this. So her DNA was changed. Says the Chidah, she went out because... She replaced Yosef, and all that male DNA was in there, so she didn't act like a regular girl. She needed to get out. Yosef 
who ended up going where a girl was, where Dina was, there was a female DNA. So Yosef was the only one ever written in the Torah that was a, that used to brush his hair. And the, the Rashi says, and he looked in the mirror. What's going on over here? You're looking in a mirror and you're brushing your hair, right? Yaakov Avram didn't do it. Yitzhak, no, you never asked that question. You just throw Yosef to the dogs. That he was very good looking, and he's and Rashi says he was busy. That's what got him into trouble with Potiphar's wife, right? That he's busy combing his hair, but and you just accepted that. Like why? Yosef at tzaddik is busy looking into a mirror. There are guys in this room that are not busy brushing their hair and looking into a mirror. And Yosef at tzaddik is busy. Wait, why? So says the Chidah. Why? Because he was in Dina's womb, he was in the womb that Dina was. So therefore, he was, he had those DNA to brush his hair and to look into a mirror. So you want to know the power, this is not me. You want to know the power of, 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 of a womb. I was telling the girls today, I was saying, do you understand the power of the womb that all the movies that you watch and the schwitz that you look at and all the stuff that you do, do you realize the effect that it has on you? Imagine just that there was a female in the, just a female was there and left. It was Leah. Who was it? It was Dina. He was Sadiqim, right? Had an effect on Yosef that ended up getting him into big trouble. That he was busy with his looks. And, and she wasn't watching movies and stuff like that. I said, you have to understand that the womb, the DNA of a woman's womb, you have to be very careful that a woman has to be, I said, I was telling them, a woman has to also have Shemir Sinai. There's something that I saw, I didn't bring this safer with me, which is very important for everybody in this room, which is also mind-boggling. I have it at home. I'm sure next week I'll bring it that you can see it in writing. But you have to hear this. I never knew this. My brother, Moshe Katz, saw it in the safer and he brought it to me. It's mind-boggling. He asked, they asked the cash in the safer, why did Noah's children, Shem and Yafes, when they found out that their father was laying undressed in the, in the, on the bed, so it says that they backed in, they backed in, and they dropped the blanket on him. Why don't they just walk in with their eyes closed? The whole thing backing in. It's very hard to back in with a blanket. Just go to the door, you know where your father's laying, close your eyes, and say, you know, till you feel them, and then cover them. Why don't they close their eyes? So he brings down that because a person's shama is on their face, that even if you if you see something you're not supposed to, if you face something you're not supposed to, and your eyes are closed, it still has a huge effect on your neshama. So shame and yachas knew they're going to see their father not dressed, right? If they're going to have their eyes closed, it's still going to have an effect on their neshama. So they had to back in that their face wasn't facing it. So if you think you can watch a movie and you're like, okay, when it comes to the dirty part, right? I'm not, I don't watch that stuff. When it comes to the dirty part, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm in the movie theater. I'm going to close my eyes. Tell me when it's over. Or when you go to a Nick game, right? I used to go to Nick games. I stopped because they have the city dancers, right? So they have these because they can't leave you just watch sports. They have to bring filth into it. So they have these city dancers, these girls that dance between every single timeout, right? Who are not dressed, right? And the whole place and all these Jewish kids we take to these games and these boys are, are watching it and you're like, okay, uh, put your head down, don't look. You know, or cover your eyes. And all the firm guys are like, okay, tell me when the game, you know, eh, okay, now we can look, right? No. No, according to this safer, no. If you're facing it, even with your eyes closed, there's a huge effect on you. And that's why Shay and Yelfus have to go backwards. And now they don't even let you go to hockey games anymore. Because at hockey games, I was like, that'll never happen in hockey. Right, what the girls are going to come skating out, whatever it is, right? So now they do it in hockey. They do it in hockey after every time there's a timeout. They have these girls go out and they, they scrape the ice in front of the goal, right? And they're not dressed kalach or whatever it is. They want to make sure that you can't go anywhere. I think so. A base, the only thing is a baseball game. I have it at home. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know offhand. I don't know offhand. Um, I could call my wife and ask her, but she might be sleeping. 
happens to be I have the safe right next to my bed. But I, 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 it's a, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's underlined and it's, it's such a chiddush for the person to show on your face. So you can't go somewhere and say, okay, my eyes are closed. I'm not watching this part of the movie. No, it has a big effect on me so much that they have to back in. So if you want to watch the movie with your back to the movie, I don't know. I don't know what that one But then, you know what I mean? Then, then you then you stomach sugar anyway, because you're not watching anything anyway, right? So you stomp crazy. Anyway, so so it's unbelievable. You, you hear what the Chidah saying over here? Okay, so now, but I'm going to, I'm going to, here, I'm going to read it for you inside. Listen to this. She'iburu ha'yabaleya, v'nehepach indina, she's abba morachel. Yosef was an ibor, right, a fetus in Leia. And, and Dina was a fetus in Rachel. And Hashem, and Benishapek, and Hashem switched it. When Nailan, who, for Rachel, Yosef got born in Rachel, but Dina, Balea. And, 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 and Dina was born in Leia. The Roshim Yosef, and the DNA of Yosef, Zachar, of being a male, Nishabalea, remained in Leia. Ukishabah, Dina, when Dina came into Leia, she picked up on that. And that's why, and that's why um, she went out this way. Now listen to the chidah. So what happened? This is so unbelievable. This is mind-boggling. And even if it's not your fault, if you cause something, there's payback. Even if it's not your fault, and listen to what the chidah says. The leis she yisay hayagarma ledina she yarabai ma'aseshem. In the end of the day. Who made Leia have this male thing, made Dina have this male thing that she should go out? Who caused it? Yosef. Leia David for it, but it was Yosef's male DNA that did it to her, right? So even though it's not his fault, you caused this girl to get raped because you caused her to go out and you caused this to happen to this girl, so there's payback. But, but I didn't do it, I wasn't my... Doesn't matter. Because Baruch even if it's, if it's you caused it, Cause you, there is a consequence. How do we know that? By Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu caused that Esau, when he found out that Yaakov stole the Bechorah, it says, by Yitzhak Ta'oka Gedoyla, that Esau gave out a, a loud scream, right? Now, was Yaakov doing what he was supposed to do? Yes. Is that what his mother told him to do? Yes. Right? Was he, was he getting the Bechorah to save Yisrael? Yes. Did he do anything wrong? No. But, he caused Esau to scream a bitter, loud cry. Yaakov, you're going to pay for that. What, what, what do you mean? I, I do what my mother told me. I, I, I did a mitzvah. Says in the Megillah of Esther, that when Mordechai went into the street, by Yitzhak Tzorka Gedoyla, was Mida Kenege Mida, because Yaakov made Esau cry. Now Haman, who came from Esau, going to make Yaakov cry. What do you want from Yaakov? He did what his mother told him to do. It doesn't matter. You cause someone pain, even if you're right. Even if you're right, you cause someone pain, you have to pay for it. You throw a kid out, and you're right. Maybe we'll throw your grandchild out of school one day. Even if you're right. So Yosef HaTzadik here, Yosef HaTzadik, wasn't his fault. But he was the Zachar in the, in the womb that caused her to go out and be attacked by Shem. You're going to have to make up for it. How is Yosef HaTzadik going to make up for this? Says the Chidah, jump up and down. Says the Chidah. What happened from that attack that Shem did to Dina? She became pregnant. 
Who came from that pregnancy? Osnas. Yosef had to marry Osnas. Yosef ended up marrying Osnas. You caused Osnas to come to the world because you caused Dina to go out. Now you have to fix it. How you fix it? You're going to marry the child that came from that. The Kachoya. He ended up marrying Osnas as a Kiddah. Everything in this world, there's a payback. So he had to, he married his niece. Married his niece. He married his niece. His, he married his father's granddaughter. His sister's kid, right. Right. He married his sister's kid. Half-sister. Father, not mother. Dina was his half-sister. Was Leia. Dina came from Leia, he came from Rachel. But they both were from Yaakov. Oh, that's exactly what today. Yeah, you can marry a niece. Uh, 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 an aunt can't marry a nephew. So, so, an aunt can't marry a nephew, but an uncle can marry a niece, right? So, so listen to what happened here. So, in the triumph, and I'm going to get into the whole story of Osnas. The whole story of Osnas, all the way in the end, you caused Osnas to be in this world. You, it's from your DNA that Dina went out, even though he didn't do it on purpose. Now, you got to fix it. you got to marry Osnas, and they had a friend of Manasha. <laughs> Well, you weren't there. There, there was a switch. Dina was switched. Dina was Dina was in Rachel, and Yosef was in Leah, and they switched them. Dina got Shechem raped her, and she got pregnant from him, and she had a child, and that child was was Osnas, and he ended up marrying Osnas. We're going to get there. It's very important that we get there. We're going to get there soon. Okay, you hear this? Wait, but wasn't she wasn't she a Mamzeres? No, why is she Mamzeres? Mamzeris is only adultery. There's no adultery. Oh. You had a, you had a single girl and a single guy. So you also There's no Mamzeris. No, you had no idea who she was. I mean, I'm going to the whole story. You know who she was? We'll see. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. You got to hear the whole story and then you'll ask questions because I'm going to answer all your questions. I really will. Okay, so he says like this. So he says the following. So, who Garma Ladina? She ended up on my Shechem. He caused this to happen to Dina from Shechem. Venolas Asnas, and Asnas was, was, was born. Lazar, therefore, Nasa Yosef is Asnas. What, he had to marry Asnas. Kimi Kaika Yetzi Dina, be Irishinola Asnas. It was his fault that Dina went out and gave birth to Asnas. Wow. Okay. Onward. Now, we're going to get into a little Kabbalah. And he says the following. What was really going on here? Why did, why did this happen? Um, well, my say everyone in this, in this class should be asking an unbelievable question. But, okay, Rabbi, you just told us something unbelievable that Leah did for her sister, not to get her embarrassed. Why would, so Leah did that, and Dina ended up in Leah, which Yosef was there, and that's why she went out. Why did you protect this girl? This girl came from the biggest mitzvah in the whole world. This girl came from the mother, right? But if it was Yosef, he wouldn't, if, 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 if Leah would have had Yosef, and, 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 and Rachel would have had Dina, Dina wouldn't have gone out, because she was never in a male womb, right? So, so, because this woman, woman did such a crazy mitzvah, you're punishing her, that her daughter, that's how you pay her back? Her daughter gets raped? How do you understand this, anybody in this room? What's going on over here? Where's the, the fairness? She did the biggest mitzvah in the world? For a sister, and that's how you pay your back, Hashem? That's what you do to a daughter? How does anyone understand that? This is the biggest question on Tzadik Varalwa in the Torah. How can you do this to, how can you do this to Leah? You, we can't even imagine. Her daughter got, but Shem, 
and got pregnant from the and got pregnant from it on top of that. And and normally Bila Bia the Gemara says Bia Rishina, you can't get pregnant from. So this was a freak it's not even normal. Because it was a Bia Rishina, and a Bia Rishina is not normal to get pregnant. So so it had to be like a miracle for to get pregnant from Shem. What's going on over here? Let me let me just let me let me finish. So listen to what it says. In the in the Chida, and it's brought down from the from it's also in the in the in the Zayar. It's listen carefully to what really was going on here. He says, "I want to tell you what was really going on here." Amaslo'i Bas Carnival was the mother. If anyone ever asked you this for extra credit, the Amaslo'i Bas Carnival was the mother of Avramavinu, the wife of Terach. Her name was Amaslo'i Bas Carnival. Okay. She was the mother of Avram. This she came back in a Gilgul Bedina. In Dina. Why did she come back in a Gilgul Bedina? So you have to know, it's brought down, I don't know if it's a Gemara or I saw it in a Medrash, that Avram Avinu very much wanted his father Terach to be forgiven and to go to Ganeiden, and he wanted his mother to go to Ganeiden. He had such kibbutz of the Now they were both not Tzadikim, right? So he, he davened to Hashem that he doesn't want to be in Gan Eden without his parents being there. So he, he needed to kun him for both of them. So his mother, Amasloi Bas Karnaval, came back in Dina, and her Avera was Al Shahisa Imbala Binidasa, that she used to sleep with Tarach. She didn't go to the mikvah, Avram's mother. So she used to sleep with Tarach when she was in Ida, which was a very bad Avera on their level, right? So, therefore, the girl's name, and we know that a name, even though we don't understand sometimes why we're named certain names, it comes from Shemayim. The name that came from Shemayim was Dina. The word Dina, Dalad Yud Nun Hei, spells Nida. So, in her name was what was her Gilgal. Okay, we just started. Okay. Now, what was her Tikkun? What was her Tikkun? Her Tikkun was, her tikkun was, and I'm not going to get into this, this part of it, her tikkun was that Shechem should come along and take um, her Tumah by doing what he did. He took the Tumah out of Dina, and that's why it says in the puzzle about he nidasa Allah. Her nida, Amaswai, Abraham Avinu's mother, went on to him. Okay? So he was misaking that, that, that Gilgal. Now, he says, if you take the words, Vatetse Dina Basleya, right? If you take the words, Vatetse, Vav, Tov, Tzadik, Aleph, it spells, Veashes, Terach, Tziruf, Asmaloihi, Dina, Begilgul, Tafsil, Sakin, Asamavis. If you take the whole word, Vatetse Dina Basleya, and you take each letter, so let's do it. The Vav is the Ashes, the Tav is Terach, the Tzadik is Siruf, the Aleph is Asmaloi, okay? The Dalit is Dina, the, the Bez is the Gilgul, the Tav is Tachzor, Leah's name is Lusakin Esamaavis. The, the wife of Terach, Asmaloi, was Dina in a Gilgul, she came back to fix what she did wrong. Okay. Then he says, um, Okay, this is a little bit okay. And we go to the bottom, and he says the following, which is which is amazing. Now, 
what happened to Terah? So, so he came back, she came back as Gina. But where did Abraham's father Terah come back? So it's brought down that Terah was Eov. And that's why Eov suffered. You know, Eov suffered all those... He, was, he, he, he suffered... When we talk about Yisur in pain, we talk about Yisur Eov. Eov went all through that suffering, right? The Terah, Baba Gilbo, Eov. The Sava called Yisurim. The Sava lechapal of Terach went through all his that he went through, right? He had shechin, he had leprosy, um, because he actually forced his wife when she was in Edom. She she did not she was not punished with leprosy because she was forced by Terach. And Shem took out the zuhama, the the the, the poison, the 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 top, the tumma. He took out, and she was and now. Who did Dina marry? So there's the machlekes. One says Dina married Shimon, her brother, and one says Dina married Eov. And Eov, she actually married Eov. Most most people hold she married Eov, right? So how did Dina come to Eov? Because Dina was Abramavinu's mother. Eov was Abramavinu's father. So to be misakane what they did before Dina and Eov, who she made from, Dina made Eov from, ended up being misakane and living together with Tahara to be misakane with Abramavinu. And when they both died, they went to Ganeiden. Chida. What goes around comes around, okay? So that's, that's, and that's why, even though it looks so bad, really, what we learned to tell you, what, what things look like, is not exactly what they, you know, what, what they appear to be. But I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it to a, to a, to a different level. Yes, we're getting to the Gulf of No, it's all right, she married Shimon, and, and Eo married wherever he, and they both, Cleaned up the rack, whatever. Eo became from what? No, it doesn't say no. They don't, they don't hold that Eo. She ever married Eo? Only married Shimon. Oh, so now, why was she punished? Because again, there's consequence. There's consequence. Now, yeah. So I, I I learned recently that with the circumstances in which um, Dina's daughter was born. Um, and the circumstances uh, surrounding how Dina was born, as, as I was just described, um, that had to do with actually eventually how the Shev, how the Shvatim were um, uh, divided, and who was allowed, who ended up living in the land living. of Israel, who, land, who lived out there in the land of Israel, because of those spiritual um, concerns. So, like there was a half of one of the tribes got the Yomit, right. Through, right through there that was outside of that. Okay, I, I hear that. So now let's go back to Dina for a moment. So why did the, why is another 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 parish on Dina is that why did this happen? And the, and the Mefarshim say because Yaakov hit her in a box when Esav came. When Esav came, Yaakov was was very scared. Yaakov was scared. This is also a very big chiddush that I'm telling you right now. That Yaakov Yaakov was scared that Esav is going to see Dina, right? And then he's going to marry Dina. He's going to take Dina by force. Esau didn't play games, right? And he was very scared of that. So he hit her in, in a box. And Hashem said, no, 
it's not up to you to hide her in a box. I'm, I'm still running the world. And actually, Dina would have been Mekarev, um, would have been Mekarev Esav. So he got punished for that. You, Mida Kenegan Mida, you kept her away from the eyes of Goyim, of Esav. You put her in a box. Now, a Tetzi Dina, she's going to go out of the box and look what's going to happen to her. He got punished. He should have let Hashem run the world. And it says that Dina had the power of being, of, of, of being, of bringing Asa back to becoming a tzaddik. So they asked Akasha, why are you punishing Yaakov? What about Leah? Leah dabbed her brains out not to marry Asa. Leah should have married Asa and she should have changed him. Why is, why is Dina more responsible? Dina should change him. Leah should have changed him. But Leah dabbed her way out of it. Why don't we punish Leah? Beautiful answer. Because it says, if you have a, grandf- a great-grandfather and grandfather and father who are all tzaddikim, you're guaranteed that the next generation will be okay. If you have a chut mashulash, you have three generations of tzaddikim, one after another, without being interrupted, then you know the next generation are all going to be tzaddikim. Yaakov was Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So Dina was the next generation. So he knew, he should have known that Chut Meshulash, that there's no way that Dina would, could be bad because Dina came from those three. So if she gets married to, to Esau, their children have to be good. That's the guarantee. So what did you do over here? What happened to Chut Meshulash? But Leah came from Laman. She didn't have a Chut Meshulash. So she had no guarantee that it's going to work. So she talking did the right thing. I don't have a guarantee. I, I'm dominating my way out of this. But Dina, Yaakov knew he had a Chut Meshulash. He had a Chut Meshulash. Then he should have he should have let Dina marry him. because he didn't let Dina change Esav, so she got she, he got punished right because she she didn't let him and she talked about it says that she really would have changed him and not only does it say that what it says a riot to that is according to the chidah that says that she married Eo right and she made him she changed him and made him from she said she, she this is what he said surely if he could make Eo from, he surely can make Asa from. So they asked the Kasha, what are you talking about? Asa was much worse than Eo. What's your Kalvachim? So you know what he answers? Unbelievable. He says, Asa had a bris mila, and Eo was an Aral. Eo became a Ger. And Asa had a bris mila. It is easier to bring back a Jew who's the biggest rush in the world. He's the lowest guy in the world. But if he had a bris mila, and he's not an Aral, it is easier to bring him back than to, to, to take a non-Jew and make him a gear. An Asa is easier to bring back because he had a bris milah, is easier to bring back, and Yaakov should have known that. And therefore, he, he knew that his brother had a bris milah, right? Asa had a bris, and he should have let Dina, and he should have let things take their course, right? And, and, and he didn't. And therefore, now he got punished. Okay. I thought he said that, because he was... What? He was older, he was red, and then he was... Uh, that's what, he does say, I'll read a few inside. You think he was an Aral the whole time? Maybe, maybe that's, uh. I, he, he, he was born male? He was born, who, Ace of also? According to this, he was, at, he was married to Dina. Alright, so, okay. 
That was when somebody starts at a sadik and to return to her, instead of starting out young when he he learned terror and stuff, he has never had that as a he was a guy. He was Megayer. Right, so he never had. So he didn't have a point to return to. Asa, he was, when he was young, he had, he, was, he had a good point. So that so it would have been easier because Dina could have been the car. Right, according to last week, according to last week's year. Also, if all of Dina's children are supposed to be good, that's what she could have married Asa. In the book of Eo, I thought it hurt. It, it, aren't, aren't Eo's kids not good? Aren't they having like party or something like that? Didn't he lose them all? They all died, and then he yeah. got then he got them back. He, he lost seven, and then seven were born. I don't I don't know Eo that well. I don't know Eo, Eo that well. Yeah, that's not Okay, so now I want to tell you a story that happened to me, and we'll end with that, and then we'll do our fish. So I'll tell you a story that happened to me, which I think is, a, is an important story, and I, and I repeated it. I repeated it today. Um, I repeated it today in seminary. So 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 many times. You, you don't get the full you don't get the full picture um, in, in this in this no not the seminary you'll never get that full picture not, not from me anyway so so um, if you look at this if you look at this story the story looks um, very unfair even if you tell me Gilgulam and everything very nice nice story but this girl got raped so I mean nice Gilgul this and that Dina didn't know that right at the end of the day like hello you know it's not a great story and I always wondered growing up, you know, I, I was always learning the piece of Chumash that the Rebbe didn't learn. Um, and this is one of the things we didn't spend much time on, this little story with Dina. And it, it bothered me. Why Hashem? Why do we, you know, there's a lot of stories that happen during the Torah that are not written. The story of, of Ram Avinu being thrown into the Kishon Eish doesn't say. It's court or Kazdam. doesn't tell the story. So there's a lot of stories that when they were living that's not written. Anything that's written in the Torah is written for a reason. So I, I was always wondering, like, why this story, you know? Why, why do we need to know what happened to Dina? That it, it's, she went out and she got rid it's, it's not a good story. So I, I, never, I never had an answer. And, you know, whatever the Torah, whatever the Torah has a reason. But a few years ago, I was on a trip and I was speaking somewhere. And um, I finished speaking and these two therapists came over to me and said, Red Wallstein, we need you emergency upstairs. I'm like, I got a whole line of girls that want to talk to me. What are you talking about? I said, you have to come upstairs right now. I said, okay. I go upstairs and say, listen, there's a girl in this room. We can't believe we even got her here. Um, she's 16, 15 and a half, 16 years old. A year ago, she was walking in this area, wherever they live, and a car stopped, and there was a 40-year-old man and a 16-year-old boy, and they, 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 she was a regular bicycle girl, and they took her into the car, and the two of them did what they wanted to do to her. And since then, she doesn't eat, she doesn't drink, she's depressed, no eye contact. She's 16 years old, she weighs 75 pounds. She's dying, she's already fainted a few times, been in the hospital a few times. Therapist, rabbis, the best, the worst, we tried everything, nothing. She's just a, she's just a shell of a human being. You're here, you're never here, you're from out of town, could you talk to her? I'm like, what am I going to tell her? Like, Gamzul uh, Tavah? Hashem never gives you a test you can't deal with, you know, get over it, you know, like, uh, live life. Like, I, 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 like, and this is a few years ago, and I was like, I, I, I don't want to go in that room. I don't know what to tell her. And they're like, you are our last hope. She doesn't even make eye contact with anyone. So I said, okay, you know me, I don't know how to say no. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll make some jokes. I don't know, whatever. So I come into the room, and Mamish, I never saw a 16-year-old look like this. Her hands were like this. She was a bone. She was Mamish, a picture from the concentration camp. Sunken... I mean, I was like, uh, I didn't, ex- I did not expect what I saw. 
I'm like, I don't know what to tell her, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, hi, my name's Robert Wallstein, I'm trying to make a joke, nothing. No eye contact, nothing. I go back, I, I, I get up, I say, I'll be right back. I go to the like, what are you doing? Why are you sending me in here? You know what I mean? I don't deal with this stuff. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what to tell her, what am I going to tell her, whatever it is. And like, Robert Wallstein, just, just, just keep talking to her, just, just do something, we're desperate. She's not going to live, she's not going to make it another two, three months. You, you got to do something, whatever it is. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like, Hashem, as I do, when I don't know what to say, I'm like, Hashem, you gotta help me out here. This is one of your daughters, and, and I seem to be a shliach, and I'm never here, and I'm at that way out of town, far away from here. I'm like, give me the words to tell her, I don't know what to tell her. I'm thinking to myself, one second, we're in the Torah, did someone get, did this happen to a girl? We're, oh my god, it happened to Dina. I'm like, okay. I go over to the therapist, I'm like, get me a chumash. You're like, <laughs> we don't, we don't want, we don't want any rabbi stuff. We went to all the rabbis ready. We don't, we don't want that stuff. You know, don't, don't go to the Torah and show her. Comes, you know, I'm like, you want me to help her? Get me a chumash. Nah. Okay. So they went and they got me a chumash. And this was three, four, four years ago. And I opened up the chumash and I said to her, so you think, you think you're the first girl this ever happened to? You're not. I said, I want to read you a passik. I said, and you know, I never understood why they put this parsha in the Torah. But now I know why. It's for you. I said, because it looks like the most tragic story that ever happened. But this is the one story in the Torah where it looks like Tzadik Aralo, that, you know, you did, Hashem did something bad to someone who's good. Really? You get to see the whole story? And if you see the whole story, you can have hope. So she lifts her head up. And then I said something I shouldn't have said, but that's really when she lifted her head up. And I said, and you're much luckier than Dina. Dina got pregnant. And you didn't. And the two therapists were like, oh, oh my God, I can't said it. Oh, they were like freaking out that I said that. And I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> Could be with the wrong, no. I was like, like you're much luckier than Dino, right? But it wasn't like somewhere to go there, right? Okay, well anyway, so that's not really, that's not really like, God forbid something happens to a girl like this, and then the first thing you say to her was, well, it's not so bad, you didn't get pregnant. Hello? That's not the right words. By, it's by far the wrong words. Okay? Very insensitive. Very insensitive. But I was doing the, the Dina thing. So I was like, well, Dina got pregnant. You didn't, right? Okay, anyway. So they're now freaking out. They're saying, like, why we bring Wallstein here? Let's get him out of the room, but it's too late. But he's here. It's too late. Okay, so I said, listen to me. So, so the first problem with this is, how are you ever going to get a shidduch? Right? Like, when people going to find out. It was, people made me knew about this. I'm like, so, like, who are you going to marry? Some... Some Ethiopian gear that's you know living in someone out who knows where. where like like who's there, like what shidduch? Shatkin's gonna sh- make you shidduch. I'm like first thing you need to know is I didn't talk about Eo, but that part I didn't know about Eo. I said first thing you need to know is she married one of the shifte come right because that's it's brought down she married Shimon. I said so shidduch you don't have to worry about. Hashem shows us a story of a girl that this happened to not by a Jew but by a guy. She got pregnant. And Shimon still wanted her. So it's a shidduch you don't have to worry about. Now, let's go further. Okay. So if you learn the Medrash in this week's parasha, Avram Avinu, I mean, um, Yaakov Avinu had a problem. These, these Shimon and Levi went out and destroyed the whole Shechem, right? So every time they looked at this baby, 
right? Every time they saw this baby that Dina had, it reminded them of what Shechem did. They wanted to go out and wipe out another city. They were like, they can't do this, dog, you know? We're going to go out and wipe out Canaan, the prison. Yaakov was like, no, this is not good. This is not going to work, right? <laughs> so we got to get this, we got to get this baby out of here. Because as long as the ship they call sees this baby, they're, they're, they're not handling it. So this baby was named Osnas. So Yaakov Avinu, he still was her grandfather, he, he wrote a gold amulet that said, Bas Yaakov. Bas Yisrael, actually, or Bas Yaakov. And he put it around her neck. And he called the Malach Gavriel, Medr says this, and he told the Malach Gavriel, take her to Mitzrayim. Maybe in Ruchakot she knew one day they'll be there. I don't know why he said Mitzrayim. Take her to the marketplace of Mitzrayim and don't leave until you see someone adopts her. Okay? The Malach Gavriel, they put her in a little basket and they take her to Mitzrayim. He puts her down in the marketplace. Who's in the marketplace? Aishas Potifa, the wife of Potifa, who is very high up as a minister. I mean, she's like a princess, Potifa's wife. Okay, we'll learn next week how evil she was, but she's a princess. Now, she cannot have children. The Chidosha, she was an Akara, but other than as Rashi says, that Potifa was gay, and Potifa bought, Rashi says, he bought Yosef from Mishkav Zohar, so he could not have children with his wife. He wasn't interested in having children with his wife. So Potifa's wife had no children, and all of a sudden, there's a basket with a baby. Adoption. Beautiful. She takes the baby. She's very rich. She takes the baby and makes it her daughter. That's why she's called. It's called Asnas Bas Potifera. And we learn from that that if you adopt a child, the Torah considers you the mother, because she was Asnas was not the daughter of Potifa. Potifa had no children, but because they adopted her. So what was going on over here? Now, just to show you how Hashem runs the world, this child that left Yaakov's house ended up in the house of Potifa at the same time together with her uncle. So uncle and niece were together in the same house and knew nothing of each other. Okay? Yosef was her uncle. Fine. Now, he says, me case, he says the whole dream, whatever it is, now they want to make him second to the king. You have to be married. To be in the in the royalty of Mitzrayim, you have to be married. So Yosef has to get married. But Yosef has a big problem. Who's he going to marry? Can't marry a guy. Yosef is from the seed of Yaakov. Can't marry a guy. So he's got a major problem. But if you don't get married, you can't be second to the king. Okay? So they put him in a chariot like the Romans used to do, and they parade him through, and all the girls, the way they used to get married is, all the girls would take their jewelry and throw it at the guy in the chariot, he would bend down, pick one up, that's the lucky girl, that's what he used to do in Rome, that's the lucky girl, so they all throw their stuff, and he sees at his feet, a gold amulet that says, Bas Yaakov, in Hebrew, now nobody in, nobody in Egypt can read Hebrew, as we know, Yosef, even Paro couldn't read Hebrew, so she herself, Ustas had no idea what she was wearing, Potiphar's wife didn't know how to read Hebrew. They just said, I don't know, there's some weird stuff around your neck, and we're not going to take it off. And she wore that her whole life. She had no idea what it said. Yosef looks on the floor, he says, it's my father's writing, Hebrew. I need to know right now, who, who threw this at me? And he finds out, this girl, her name is Osnas. Where'd you come from? Who's your father? Who's your mother? I don't know, I'm adopted. He says, I know exactly who you are. Because he, that happened before he was sold. He says, you're the daughter of Dina. You're the only Jewish girl in the whole Mitzrayim. Thank God. And I'm your uncle. I can marry you. So he marries the only Jewish girl that he could have married, which made him second to the king. So had that whole thing not happened, Yosef Dina, everything I told you tonight so far, he wouldn't have had anyone to marry. He wouldn't have been second to the king. He wouldn't have saved the world. Because he wouldn't have the power to save the world. Shabbat is running this show. Wait, it's not over. I'm telling this girl this. I'm saying, wait, it's not over. So now they have two children. 
Ephraim and Menashe. Right? I'm like, so this girl, Asnas, who came from a rape of which Shem, a lowlife, has these two children, Ephraim and Menashe. And every man, till Mashiach comes, and maybe after, benches his kid Friday night, Yusim Kalakim, Kephraim Kanasha. What are you talking about? I don't want my kids to be like Ephraim and Asha, that they should come, that their grandmother should be raped, and that's where they should come from. What are you doing? What am I benching them, Ephraim and Menashe? What's going on over here? And the answer is, Yusim Kalakim, Kephraim Kanasha. Akash uh, should show me the Nisim the Flois of his whole story from beginning to end, like he did by Ephraim and Menashe, to show me where Ephraim and Menashe came from. So I said to this girl, I said, so now let's look at Dina. She married Shimon. Her daughter married Yosef Atadik. Her grandchildren, right? Her grandchildren were Ephraim and Menashe. Mashiach ben Yosef comes from Ephraim and Menashe. So from Shem and Dina comes Mashiach ben Yosef. Says, so what are you worried about? Shirach, Shimon, children, grandchildren, Ephraim and Menashe. Your children, you worried about your, your daughter Shirach or your child Shirach? Married Yosef Hatzadik. What are you worried about? So Hashem takes care. You're only up to the part, the second pasuk of Vayetzedina, Rivayaneha, where He did what He did. That's all you're up to. But there's a whole parasha afterwards. I said, now I understand. I said to her, why the Torah tells this terrible story. Because if you know the whole story, in the end, Leah gave up one shevet. She had Yosef, right? She gave up one shevet. What did she get back for taking Dina? Two shvatim. Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe came from Dina. Ephraim and Menashe came from Yosef. Right? So they wouldn't have been her shvatim. But because Dina, Asnas, ended up marrying Yosef, so Ephraim and Menashe, who are the only two grandchildren that became Shvatim. Everyone else was a child. The only two grandchildren became Shvatim came from Leah. She thought she gave up one. Oh my gosh, how you pay me back? I shouldn't pay her back with two. You got to see the whole story. And that's why this story, that's why this story is in the parasha. The whole story. Baruch Hashem, this girl is in Israel now in seminary and she ate 80 pounds by a long shot. <laughs> she picked up her head and whatever, I was a whatever. That was it. That's all she needed to hear. Somebody else went through what I went through and oh my gosh, she had the best shit of the best grandchildren, the best son-in-law. That's why I shan't put this. I told the whole story like I'm telling you. Like I'm telling you. And she picked up her head and it was like, I got a smile. I got. She was back. She came back to life. That's our Torah, everybody. It's not a subject. You're going to get a test, right? Who was the Romavino's mother? I was Malay by Carnival. It's not. That's not what this is about. This is about life. Okay. So now that we're talking about life, we're going to end with my little friend. And the reason I'm going to end with my little friend, very, very important, my little friend here tonight, who must be a Gilgal of someone that was a big tzaddik. And I'm, I'm going to stand up when I do this, so you have to maneuver the camera a little bit. Anyway, this is very, very important. And I want you to have this picture in your mind for the rest of your life, what I'm about to do. Don't worry, I'm not eating the fish. <laughs> so, and don't try this at home, no. So, this whole thing with Dina started with Fatete Dina. And she went out to see the rest of the world. If she stayed home, it wouldn't have happened. So, there was a story about these fish on the bottom of the sea, 
and there was this one or two old fish, and a bunch of very young fish, a whole school of them. And the old fish were giving them a class, a school of fish, right? Okay. They were giving them a class, and they said, listen, look around at the bottom of the ocean. There's only a few of us old guys. Do you know why? How come there's not a thousand of us? There's a thousand of you. How come there's not a thousand of us? He says, because the other fish went up to the surface to see what the world is like. And you need to know that even though it looks great out there, there's a sun and there's colors and music. We don't have that underneath the sea, right? Unless you're Nemo and there's a movie, but if it's not a movie, right? We don't have that underneath the sea. There's colors and there's food and there's steak and there's lamb chops. There's all this action, right? He sees this, right? So, so they didn't listen. And, and they didn't believe the elders. And they went up there and they were caught in a net. And then you know what the people do when they catch you in the net? They take you and they grind you into little mush. And then they put carrots and eggs and flour. And they put you in a jar and pull your filter fish. Right? And if you don't happen to be that kind of fish, they take you and they skin you and they debone you. Right? And they, and they fry you. Or, if you're really lucky, they debone you, they cut your head off, and they put you into schmaltz, and you're called schmaltz herring. Right? <laughs> or pickles, and they called you pickled herring. And we were told this by our elders, but our friends didn't believe us. And they wanted the good life. So they went out there. And they never came back. And one of the fish, the school of the fish, said, Come on, you old geezers! You don't know what it means to have fun anymore. That's why you're telling us the stories. Your friends all died of old age. We don't believe anything you're talking about. But there's one guy that he says, you know what? Maybe we should listen to him. Maybe we shouldn't. Let's go and check it out. Let's go to the surface, right? Jump out of the water and take a look at what's going on. And we'll get a look. And if we see people grinding up fish and putting them in schmaltz, then we'll go back down deep. That's what we'll do. Okay. So they picked four guys. They said, you guys go up and you do the jumping. Fine. These four guys, they jump out of the water. Happens to be just at that moment, there was a big fishing troll there. And they had just pulled in a bunch of, like, hundreds and hundreds of, of, of sardines or whatever fish they pulled in. And they just dropped the net onto the platform of the fish, of the thing. And these guys jump up and they see all these fish that are on the boat jumping, jumping up and down. And they're like, we knew it! It's a party! It's a party! That old man down on the bottom of the sea, he's full of baloney! This is the place! Look at them, they're having a ball! Everybody's jumping! <laughs> While really, everybody's dying. They're jumping to grab air. They're trying to grab air because they're dying. And they realize that what the old man said was true, but it's too late. They're dying. And there's no water. But these stupid four fish, they thought they're partying. So they go flying down to the bottom of the sea and they tell their friends, Oh my God! Oh man, you're a liar! We never saw anyone jump like that! Oh my God! It must be a nightclub out there. Ah, it must be a club. I don't know what's going on over there. They are having the best time of their life. And the old man saying, What do you mean? He said, They're jumping! We saw one guy go up like eight feet! Unbelievable! This is amazing! And the old man saying, No, they're not jumping, they're dying! And they're like, They're not dying! When you're dead, you just lay quietly. These guys ain't dying, these guys are dancing. There's a fish nightclub up there. 
course, all the silly fish go swimming up to the top, and they're waiting for them. And comes down the net, and they realize that what they saw as partying and dancing were the throes of death. But it's too late. So tonight, I want you to see this image of my little boy Chaim, who's a good boy. We're going to take this fish, and we're going to take him out of his water, like those other fish. Sorry, Chaim. He knows already. It's not fun with me. Right. And it's okay. It's just a fish. Don't get nervous. And all the people who are watching will think it's Tabal Chaim. It's not Tabal Chaim. But I'd like you to take a picture of what a fish looks like out of water. It's like pretty dead, right? Um, I'm, I'm going to put him back in the water. I'm not going to let him die. But it's pretty sad, right? This is very sad. And a lot of you in this room right now feel very bad for this fish. In fact, if you don't, there's something wrong with you. You all feel very bad for this fish, right? Everybody, I should put him back? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you jump in. You jump in. So this is the hands of the suck on, everybody. Yes. This is the hands of the suck on. And that's your soul. And the suck on's like, come. Come out of the water. The party's out of the water. This is the hands of sucker. Aren't you comfortable? Aren't you great? No, you're dying. But if you do tshuva, and you get out of the hands of the satan, he's okay. And you go back into the water, you're okay again. So I want to understand something. How come everyone in this room, look at you, you're at the edge of your seat. You're angry, Rabbi Walsky. How did you do that? How come you're not angry? And all the kids that are in the street... All the kids that are off the dinner, that are dying, their neshama looks exactly much worse, actually, than that fish in the hands of the satan, jumping up for ear, jumping up for mayan, and nobody gives a flip. Nobody cares. You just walk right by them, and you're worried about a fish? This is what bothers you? Go fish? But no one's worried about our kids, who their souls are dying. They're out of the water. They're dying. The soul is jumping. Ugh. And we just walk by. Eh, have a good day, man. Not my problem. Not my problem. But goldfish is your problem. This guy bothers you. This guy bothers you. And and the neshama of another Jew does not bother you. It's very sad. So if you see someone that wants to swim to the top of the water and wants to go party and jump up and down, you need to tell them that that's not life. And in the end. Those people die inside. They end up doing more drugs and more drinking. They have no life. And then they put a bullet and they shoot themselves in the head. That's not life. Life is in the bowl. Life is in the mind. That's why Torah is called mind. Torah is called mind. As long as you're in the mind, yes, it looks boring. To this fish, I had fish my whole life in, 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 in tanks. And you have to know one of the things that you, we make mistakes is after we feed the fish at night, sometimes we forget to close the cover. If you forget to close the cover, half your fish will jump. You will come in the morning, it will be all over your carpet, dead. You always have to close the cover. Why? Fish jump out of fish tanks. Now, I don't go into the brain of a fish, but I'm sure it's very boring swimming up and down and up and down. Out of the fish tank, looks like there's so much room. It's so much bigger. Look at them. There's, they're eating, they're laughing, there's colors, there's little boys and little girls, and there's music in this TV, and this guy's walking around with his iPhone and all this, and this poor fish, he's sitting in his tank, and he's like, I got nothing to do. So I'm going to jump out there, and I'm going to go into their world. A fish can't live in their world. A fish dies in their world. And the shama can't live in their world. 
it can't live in the world of movies and girls and non-Jewish music and all the all the stuff that the Goyim have. Yes, it looks great. They're partying. They're jumping. It looks unbelievable. But our neshama can't live in that world. And if we jump out of our fish tank, jump away from the Torah, and we go out, sooner or later, we're going to die inside. Just like this fish. Had I held him out here for another two, three minutes, he'd be dead. And no matter how much wood I put him into, it wouldn't help him. But Tate Seydina, her mistake was she went out of the fish tank. She left the water. But Tate Seydina, in the end, by Aneha, if you decide to leave the fish tank, you have to leave Yiddishkeit, to leave the Torah, in the end, by Yaneha, it's going to be very painful. It's going to be very, very, very painful. So we'd like to thank Chaim. In the girls' school, I call it Chayala. Depends where I, where I am. And um, he's done a lot of mitzvahs, but I want you to remember the picture of what he looked like in my hands, because that's what you are. That's what you are in the Sultan's hands, out of water. That's what you look like in his hands, out of water. And he's like, got you. Got you. You want it to be here. Right? The Sultan, you'll never be able to tell in Shemayim that the Sultan made me do it, by the way. You can't blame him. He's going to say... You wanted to do it. I was there to help you do it. But I'm not the one that got you to do it. You wanted to do it. I helped you. I got you there. You wanted to do it. It's your rutsam. Because if it's not your rutsam, there's no bechiru. If it's not bechiru, you're not chayyot. So you wanted to jump out of the tank. But he walks around with all these neshamas in his hand. <laughs> you wanted to be out of the tank? What could you look like now? Grabbing air? Grabbing air. Aren't you grabbing air? Neshamas grabbing kedusha. You can find it. Yeah, where are you going to find it? It's a very, very, very important lesson. And I want you to go back to that feeling in your heart. Even when I'm holding the fish, it bothers me. It bothers me. I'm not happy about doing this. It bothers me. And I'm saying to myself, it bothers you? A goldfish? And all these kids are suffering in the streets? And, and, and 80% or 75% assimilation of, of, of Jews marrying non-Jews and the children are not Jewish? And you don't care? And you're not doing anything about it? And a goldfish bothers you? Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with your values. This guy bothers you, and a real human being on the street doesn't bother you. Have a good night. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.